seat, this is not for you. This is to invite somebody else to our series starting next week. This is a great opportunity for this whole series and for Christmas Eve coming up to just invite people with this question, do miracles still happen? We feel like that's something that we should talk about as a church because Christmas is really all about miracles. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on starting next Sunday. But today we're going to finish up our series, Who's In and Who's Out, with the final message in this series. And today we are going to learn about Jesus's investment strategy. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Jesus had an investment strategy. Some of you are like, oh great, I love talking about money and investments. And others you're like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. But yes, Jesus had an investment strategy. So I want you to think about your own savings and investments. Hopefully you have something, you know, 401k or something that you're investing in for retirement. And I want you to think about it and just imagine you're approaching that day that you're excited to finally retire, stop having to labor every single day, and you're sitting down with your money manager the guy who, who you've entrusted your money with, that you've been investing with, and he's been investing your money, and you sit down and say, okay, how are we looking? How are things? And he says, well, here's $15,000. And you're like, uh, what? Is, is, is this it? And he's like, yeah, that's everything. And you're like, what? $15,000? I thought that's how much I was putting away like every year. Like, what, what happened to everything? And your money manager says, well, there's this one really exciting startup out of Russia. And I was so excited that I invested all your money in this one startup. They, they had this amazing concept that they were going to take DNA from fossils and recreate pterodactyls. You're going to be like, you invested in Jurassic Park? Like, what is this? Are you kidding me? And he's like, yeah, didn't really work out. Didn't pan out. Company went under. We lost everything. And then you'd be like, well, didn't you put something in, in safe, safe investments or something? Like, don't we have anything? He's like, yeah, that's what the $15,000 is. I, I saved a little bit of cash for you. How would you feel at that moment? Seriously, how would you? You'd be angry, right? You'd be furious. You'd be worried. You'd be stressed out and thinking, oh, no, I'm going to have to work until I die because I cannot live on $15,000. That is a terrible investment strategy. No Russian startups, okay? Let's just leave those alone. Okay, and all in one basket, we can't do that. Okay, that's a terrible investment strategy. So what we're going to talk about today is Jesus's investment strategy, which was much wiser than that, and what he actually did because he has invested in every single one of us, and he expects a good return. He does. He expects a good return on his investment. So we're going to learn that from Jesus' own mouth as he teaches us today about his investment strategy. So we're, we're wrapping up this series, Who's In, Who's Out. And if you've been here for this series, in weeks one and two, we really talked about who's in heaven, that concept, what Jesus taught about it. And we learned even in week one that you can't, your, your ticket to heaven can't be bought. You must be brought by God. Okay, It's not about how much money you have or how good you are. It's being brought by God. And then we learned how Jesus fulfilled that all through fulfilling these incredible prophecies through his death and resurrection. So those are the first two weeks about who's in heaven. Then weeks three and four, we talked about, well, hey, that impacts our lives now, that the kingdom of God starts now here in this life, and that it should impact how we live now, who's in now and what that means for us. So today we're actually going to kind of blend those two because we're going to be talking about um, what we do now that impacts heaven ahead, that what we do is actually going to have an impact into eternity. So that's what we're going to see in this message. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19, verse 11. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and get there with me. Or if you use the YouVersion Bible app, you can find our Rise Church Denver event, and you can look at the scripture we're going to look at today, as well as some notes that you can be taking there. So we're going to pick this up in Luke chapter 19, verse 11. 
Um, in verse 11, we read, While they were listening to this, he went on, Jesus went on to tell them a parable, because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. So there's a lot going on here in just this first verse. And in this first verse, we say that while they were listening. So Jesus, if you remember back to last week, was in the midst of a dinner party with a very rich man named Zacchaeus. Remember the wee little man? Okay. Zacchaeus, the wee little man who climbed up in the sycamore fig tree to see Jesus. He came down to Jesus, and this guy was one of the wealthiest men in all of Israel in his time. And when he came to faith in Jesus Christ, even though he had stolen a lot of his money, he said, Jesus, I, I, like, I, I believe I'm going to give away 50% of everything I've ever earned all of my money, plus I'm going to pay back fourfold anyone that I have wronged. This amazing act of repentance. And they're sitting there at this dinner party with Jesus and probably a lot of Zacchaeus' friends who were also wealthy and had money. And Jesus is like, okay, now let's talk investing. No, seriously. He's going to use that as a parable. And a parable is a story that tells a deeper spiritual truth. So Jesus is talking to these rich guys and he says, I want to tell you something about investing. And we're going to start there. And it says that he's on his way to Jerusalem because actually since Luke chapter 9, about halfway through this gospel, Jesus had his eyes focused on Jerusalem. He's saying, I'm going there because that's the place that's the capital. This is God's city, the city of David. And I'm going to go there. And he's actually getting prepared for his last chapter. He knows it's the end. But people thought that that meant that Jesus was going to come in riding on a white horse as the conquering king. He's coming into the city. He's going to throw off the evil Roman dictators, and we're going to have freedom. Here's William Wallace coming in. We're going to win. This is going to be a great battle, and Jesus is going to take over everything. And finally, the kingdom of God is going to be here on earth. Heaven is going to be here. It's going to be amazing. They're so excited because Jesus is going to Jerusalem, the next city, the next stop. But Jesus is like, actually, it's not going to be like that. And we'll see how it's not going to be like that when we jump back into Luke in January. But, but he's telling them, like, you guys think the kingdom of God is coming at once. Oh, my gosh, everything's going to be made right. But actually, it's going to be a little bit longer than that. See, Jesus is going to teach them, and he's going away for a while. And we know that he's still not back yet, right? It's been some 2,000 years. He's, he's going away for a little while. But Jesus is going to teach them that he's coming back. And he expects a return on his Investment. So I want to give you my big idea up front so you guys can kind of listen to it through, for, through, for it through the message. But my big idea is to give Jesus a good return on his investment. That's what he's going to teach us through this parable that he's about to... That he said, I, I want a good return on the investment that I'm putting in you. So let's look at verse 12 now of our passage that Jesus begins to teach this spiritual truth. He said, here's the story, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minus. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. See, Jesus is going to be referring to himself throughout this whole parable. He's this noble man that's being talked about, that's going away to be crowned king. And when he comes back, he said he's going to expect something. In fact, he gives them these minus, one to each servant. And a mina, I guess is the singular, a minus is plural. Mina, it would be a form of currency in those days. And this currency was about worth three months worth of an average worker's wages. So I want you to think in your mind, your paycheck that you get each month. Now triple that, okay? That's about how much money 
this nobleman is entrusting to his servants. He said, I'm going away, and I want you to put it to work, right? Did you see that? Put this money to what? Work. One of the first rules of investing that you're supposed to learn is don't work for your money, make your money work for you, right? Anybody read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Okay, this is a simple idea, okay? You don't work for your money. You've got to actually invest your money and make your money work for you. So Jesus is saying, hey, I'm giving you my money. I'm entrusting it to you, and I want you to make it go to work. I want it to grow. I want to return on my investment that I'm giving you to these servants. Now, this is interesting. He says, until I come back, and we know, like, he hasn't come back yet, but we're waiting. So I want you to see right here at the beginning, he gives these different groups, uh, these 10 different people, 10 different minus. So they each have one. Now, I don't think that there's anything significant about how much he gives each one because Jesus tells a very similar parable in Matthew chapter 25, often called the parable of the talents, which is a different form of currency, and each person gets a different amount in that parable. So I don't think the amount really matters too much. What he's saying is, I'm entrusting you with something. But what I do think we can learn from this is that Jesus invests in every single one of us. Each one of us has been given something by Jesus. And he expects a return on that investment he puts within us. Now, I want you to think in three different forms, and this might not be all comprehensive, but this is a way that we think of uh, what God has given us, what Jesus has entrusted with us. And it's through three different things, our time, our talents, and our treasures. Jesus has given every single one of us time, talents, and treasures. We all have these, and we might say we have various amounts and other people have more than us, okay, but we all have time, talents, and treasures that Jesus has entrusted to us. We're his servants, and he's saying, hey, this is what I'm giving you. Now make it work. Make it go to work. Make it grow. Make it expand. Bring me a good return. So I want you to think of the first one, time. This is a nice one because we actually all have the same amount of time. There's 60 seconds in every minute, 60 minutes in every hour, right? And, and 24 hours in every day, seven days in every week, 365 days in every year. Every single person has the same amount of time. You have the same amount of time as Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. Did you know that? Everybody has the same amount of time in their life. And time is probably your most valuable resource, though you might not think about it like this. It is. It is the most valuable resources that Jesus has given you. Now, we don't know when our time will end, but we all have a certain amount of time that Jesus has given us. And what he expects is, how are you going to use the time I've given you? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it to impact the people around you? To make the kingdom of God come here on this earth? To bring glory to God? What are you going to do with your time? In Psalm 90, 12, Moses teaches us, it says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. When you know that, hey, I got so many days, how am I going to use them? We all have a limited amount of time as well. Did you know that? A limited amount of time here on this earth. We might not know when it's going to end, but it's going to end at some point. I remember thinking this for the first time when I was just starting out as a pastor, as a preacher, and one of my preachers that I really love is Tim Keller. Tim Keller was nearing retirement. He was about 60, and I remember hearing him talk, and he said, you know, I'm nearing my retirement. I know when the retirement date is going to be, so I know that I only have about 250 sermons left. So he's very carefully planned out every single one of those 250 messages so that he could talk about the right subjects and the right topics before he left and retired from his church. And I remember thinking, as a young pastor, thinking, and I guess I still am a young pastor, thinking, I don't know when I'm going to retire, but I have 
a finite number of sermons that I will teach you guys. Most of you guys only hear me once a week. Right, maybe even if that, right? <laughs> okay, you guys hear me once a week. I only have a limited amount of time to teach you God's word, to bring God's word into your life so that you might be transformed. I have a limited time, so that should impact how I pick which book we're going to cover, what topic, what passage we're going to look at. It's limited. So, so that's me in my career. You could maybe apply that to your own. But, but even think about what about with your kids? My kids... McKinley's nearing five. She's going to turn five in January. The twins are going to turn two in December. So that means I have 13 years and 16 years left with them under my roof. That's a very limited amount of time. That's only so many years, and they go by quick. They really do. I only have so many nights that I can read to them, and they'll still listen to me. How am I using that time with my kids? So those of you who are parents, if you thought about that, you have a limited amount of time with your children. How will you impact them for the kingdom of God? But I want you to start thinking through this message. How am I using the time that Jesus has invested in me? The second area, talents. Talents. And I don't mean money here. I mean the actual talents you have. I want you to think, the, 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 the good way to think about this is what are you better at than most people? Everybody has something that they're pretty good at, and, and you're better than most people at this thing. Maybe it's because you've been practicing it and working at it for years. Maybe it's just something that, you, you know, it's like a physical attribute. Okay, you're taller than most. Okay, you can kind of dunk on everybody like Matt Bolt does to us at our basketball games. He's 6'9", by the way. Okay, yeah, it's not fair. Um, but some people have physical attributes. Some people have mental attributes. Some people have skills that they've learned and developed, that they have talents and gifts, or even your spiritual gifts. Did you know that every single follower of Jesus is given a gift, at least one, by the Holy Spirit? And if you don't know what they are, you should go take a spiritual gifts test online. Okay? It kind of helps you figure out what these are. Because these gifts are given to us by God, and what I say about them, sometimes they seem very close to our natural gifts, but when we use them, something supernatural happens. This is an interesting thing. So if you've ever shared your faith with someone and they come to Christ, okay, know that that doesn't happen all the time. Okay? Maybe you have the gift of evangelism. Or, or even when you're serving, like you're, you're serving people in the cafe or you have someone over to your house and, and those people are like so impacted. They're like, oh my gosh, this was amazing. I, I just felt a peace here. And, and what you're doing has this supernatural impact in people's lives. Maybe you have the gift of service or hospitality. So these talents we have, whether they're, they're God-given, whether they're natural, which are st still God-given, but all these talents we have, I want you to think, what am I better at than other people? Because Jesus has given you those skills, those attributes, those abilities, that gifting, and he's investing that in you, and he's going to ask, where's the return on that investment I put in you? Or, or think about the third thing. Oh, and I guess we got a scripture up here. Thank you. Megan's doing a good job, and I'm, I'm, I'm skipping it. In 1 Peter 4.10, Peter says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful, what? Stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Well, one uh, way to talk about the concept we're teaching today is stewardship. That God has entrusted us as stewards, as managers of what he has given us. And one of those things is our talents. How we're using it to serve others. And the third area, time, talents, and treasures, I want you to think this is what I have, what I own. This is my stuff. Maybe it's your cabin or your house or your car, or, or maybe it's your money, right? These are your treasures, the things that you have. God gave you those too. Everything in the universe belongs to God, and he entrusts you with certain things. You might think, well, it's not fair because somebody else has more treasure than I do. No, but Jesus has given you a specific amount of treasures and different treasures than somebody else. So how are you using those treasures 
How are we using those treasures for the kingdom of God? That is what Jesus has invested in you. And in Luke 16, 9, Jesus taught on this just a few chapters ago in Luke. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Use your money to buy friends, Jesus is saying, right? To serve people, to love people. If you're like curious, you're like, that doesn't sound like Jesus. It's from Jesus, okay? You can go listen to our message. We covered it this summer in a message called Mastering Money. Mastering Money, you can go figure out what, because Jesus is saying, use your treasures in the temporary now to impact people for eternity. We can do that with what God has given us, our treasures. So as we listen to this, this parable that Jesus is teaching us, think about the time, talents, and treasures that Jesus has invested in you because he is expecting a return on investment. Let's keep reading. Verse 14 says, But his subjects hated him, interesting, and sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. That's going to be important later at the end of our message, but just know that not everybody was too keen on King Jesus. Okay, we all know that. But let's keep reading in verse 15. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. So Jesus, the king, is coming back. He wants to count with his money managers. How'd you use the money I gave you? I invested in you. How did you make my investment grow? He expects a return. And it says in verse 16, the first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. That's a lot. Okay? If you had, uh, you know, if your money manager was bringing you back 1,000%, Man, you give that guy a bonus, right? Okay, That is a good return on investment. A thousand percent? He has made this money go to work, right? He has figured out all sorts of ways. He's been shrewd. He has been wise. He has used this, this money that he's been invested with, and he has made it grow. Verse 17, it says, Well done, the king says, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Now take charge of ten cities. Interesting. And then what about the second servant? Verse 18, it says, The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. 500%. That's great. His master answered in verse 19, You take charge of five cities. So if we learn first that, that Jesus invests in every single one of us, now we learn that Jesus rewards us depending on how he has invested in us, right? And how we've used it. We're rewarded by Jesus at the end when he returns. Jesus rewards faithful servants. So his reward here, and this is a fascinating reward because it says, hey, you, you've had these, the 10 minus that you've grown it into, now you're getting 10 cities. Okay, it talks about in the scriptures that we, at the end, will reign with Christ, as in ruling, as in kings, as in having authority. Now that's an authority of influence. That might be part of what this reward is. And they're varying degrees, it seems like, in this passage, which I don't want to talk too much about the rewards because we don't know what they're all going to be. And we do know in another passage, it almost seems like everybody gets the same reward. But what we do see here uh, is what I'm saying is that the rewards are going to be awesome. If you could rule over 10 cities right now, you'd feel pretty good, right? Doesn't that sound nice? The rewards are going to be awesome. They're going to be incredible in heaven. Jesus talks a lot about the rewards we will receive in heaven if we are faithful in our service to him. It's like an extra bonus. Not only do you get to be in heaven, but now you get these 
rewards. And these guys that have been faithful with what they've been given will receive a great reward. And the same is true for us. Jesus wants to reward us, and that's why he invests in us. He invests in us. He gives us our time, talents, and treasures. And at the end, he's going to say, how have you used it? How have you grown it? How have you used it to serve others, to love others, to make the kingdom of God flourish here on the earth while I've been away? We are going to give an account, and I want to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and for him to say to me, well done. Don't you? That's what I want. Well done. Good work. High five. Dude, you did it. That's what I want on the last day. So that's what Jesus says to these first two servants, but then there's a third. Verse 20. It says, Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. The KJV used to translate it as a napkin. I've taken a napkin, I've taken the money, and I've kind of hid it under my bed. I haven't lost it. I got it right here. Verse 21, I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. In verse 22, it says, his master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have at least collected it with interest, at least put it in a CD, right? Don't just hide it. We've got inflation happening, okay? At least put it in a CD so we can earn our interest. You have just hidden it. You haven't used it at all. And that's why this man's judgment is wicked servant. Not good servant, not faithful servant, not well done. It's wicked. In verse 24, then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minus. Sir, they said, he already has 10. But he didn't care because the judgment here is that this man did nothing with what he was given. Sure, he didn't lose it. He didn't squander it. It wasn't wasteful, but he didn't do anything with the time and the talents and the treasures he had been given. So the judge says, okay, take it away. Take it away. No reward for you. Now, this is what happens for those of us who are not faithful, what we have been given. Now, people always ask me, I get this question a lot, is what about so-and-so? Are they going to be in heaven? And they usually ask it about someone who said a prayer and accepted Jesus Christ when they were a kid. Maybe they got baptized as a teenager, and they said, well, I know that they made a profession of faith, that they believe in Jesus, but nothing about their life has changed. They live just like everybody else. It's like they've taken what Jesus has given them and hidden it, right? Grandparents wonder this about their grandkids. Parents wonder about their kids. People wonder this about their spouse. Well, I know that they accepted Christ, but, but they're the exact same as they used to be. Are they in heaven? Right? Isn't this a question we all want to know? Let me tell you some good news and then some bad news. Good news. None of us have to decide. <laughs> okay, you and I do not have to decide. We do not have to know whether so-and-so is in heaven or not. Let's leave that up to Jesus and the angels, Okay. I don't know what's going on in their life, whether they actually have transformed. Like, what if they hadn't had Jesus in their life? Maybe they'd be even worse, right? Okay, we don't know. We don't know their heart. We don't know what's going on in their lives. Maybe they've done some deeds in secret that we're not aware of. 
We, we don't know, and we don't have to judge. Good news, right? Bad news. They might be in, but judgment day is not going to be fun. And, and we see this in another passage in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul talks about this. He says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. So it's a little bit different metaphor. It's like we're all building something. We're given materials. How are we going to build and what are we going to build on this foundation of Jesus Christ? So fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. So this fire comes, shows if it's valuable, and then it goes on in verse 14 to say, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Reward sounds good, right? We want to be on the rewarding side. If it is burned up, however, the builder will suffer loss. No reward. But yet will be saved. You see that? Even though only as one escaping through the flames. Meaning there are going to be some people who make it in by the skin of their teeth because they have made a profession of faith. Because it tells us in the scripture, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Very clearly. Who is excluded by everyone? Now, it's anyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Everyone will be saved great, but there are going to be some people who will be ashamed on the judgment day because they have hidden what God has given them. They have not built on it. They have not expanded it. Their, their character hasn't matured and grown. They haven't used their time, talents, and treasures to, to impact other people around them, to serve and to love and to build the kingdom of God. They have done nothing, and they will barely make it in. saying this because I do not want to be the one that's ashamed on the day of Christ. And I hope you don't want to either. I hope that you will say, no, I want, I want Jesus to say to me, well done. Come on in. I got some rewards for you. I want to reign with him, not barely make it in, right? And, and I think this is what Jesus is telling us. We all have a chance. We're all given something, time, talents, and treasures. And it's not how we compare ourselves to others. It's what Jesus has entrusted to us. What are we going to do with what he has given us? Will we use our time wisely? Will we use our talents to serve others? And will we use our treasures to build the kingdom of God? And what you do with what you have been given will determine your reward, will determine what Jesus says to you on the judgment day. Well done, or worthless. Well done and worthless. We will all face the judgment seat. Jesus kind of gives us a summary of this entire parable here in verse 26. I want you to see this. When they're like, well, how could you take from this one guy? You know, what's up with that? And he says, he replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. This is the big idea of Jesus' teaching right here. Jesus invests in you. If you take it, you make it grow and multiply and have an impact. You'll be rewarded even more, but if you take it and hide it and do nothing with it, even what you have will be taken away. So give Jesus a good return on his investment. But there's one last aspect to this parable that I want you to see in verse 27. Remember, there was a whole group of people that hated the king. Verse 27, But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. 
If you think that sounds bad, it's probably worse. Some translations say slaughter, okay? And this was actually a pretty standard thing. He's using the analogy of the day. He's like, this is what happened. When a king comes to power and there were people that opposed him and literally tried to get in his way, he kills them. That's what kings did in those days. But Jesus is using this as a metaphor now for the end. For the people who have hated me, who haven't even just hidden it and not had anything changed in their life, but they have rejected me outright. Jesus is saying they will be rejected by me. People who choose not to follow me, not to serve me, not to use what I have given them for good, those people will face judgment, and it is an eternity apart from me. And I say this because God is very just. The people that choose to reject him, he rejects. The people who say, I don't want to spend eternity with King Jesus. I don't want to do what he says. If you don't want to do what he says in this life, you're not going to want to do what he says for eternity. He just gives you what you want. That's why C.S. Lewis would even say the gates of hell are locked from the inside. He just lets people have what they want in hell. And that's part of the judgment day as well. What we do here in this life matters for eternity. Forever and ever. So give Jesus a good return on his investment now. So let's think about this practically now. As you're evaluating your life, I hope that you will take some time right now to think about your time, talents, and your treasures. To reevaluate, what does that mean I need to do now? Because Jesus has invested in you something. And you have something given to you, entrusted to you. You're a steward. Now what will you bring to Jesus on that judgment day? What will you bring to him with, with your time? Are you using your time wisely? And probably the first question you need to ask yourself is, what do I need to cut out of my life? <laughs> because there's something you're doing that's just a waste of time. And then that allows you to do the second thing is, how can I add some stuff with my time? How can I use some more time for the kingdom of God? What do I have room for? What, what could I eliminate so that I have room for something even better? And this might be like, like saying, hey, well, this is actually a good thing that I'm doing because we're all doing lots of good things all the time and saying, I'm going to cut the good so that I can have time for the great. Cut something good so that I have time for the great. And I think we all need to do that with our time because we have limited time. How are we using it to grow personally, to serve others? What can you cut so that you have time to add? And that leads us into our second one with your talents. How are you using your talents? What is the thing that you're better than most people at? Are you using that talent for the kingdom of God? I love talking with Kyle. He isn't playing electric guitar today, but he was playing last week. And he's just started playing the last couple months before that. And I think he still is. He's in like a Queens of the Stone Age cover band. Anybody who knows what they're, yeah. So he's, he's rocking all the time, but he's like, Matt, this is the first time I've, I've played in church. And he's like, what I'm doing now is so much more important I can use my gift of you know, the electric guitar for the kingdom of God. And once you find how to use your specific talent, what you're really good at for the kingdom of God, you will be amazed at how much joy it brings to your life. I, I truly mean that, and it's so exciting. And if you want to have some conversations, I love having those conversations with people. Like, I, I have this skill. I don't know what I should do with it. I have this gift. I have this talent. I'm really good with, with numbers. I, here, I'll, I'll talk to you about it. You know, whatever that is, think about how could I use this for the kingdom of God? This talent. How could I serve? Maybe it's serving in our church. You can go to risedenver.com slash serve. We are always looking for people to serve with our kids ministry, welcome team, serve up here on the band, whatever it is. Or maybe it's, it's through our church. We go out and do a lot of local outreach here. In fact, one of the things 
if, if we can jump at Megan, that we did this week was with Ashley Elementary. It's one of our partners. It, it's a school with 80% free or reduced lunch. And we helped them with our turkey trot. We gave over a dozen um, turkeys. We gave a bunch of uh, gift cards to families in need. And we had three tables full of coats that you guys donated, okay? Like, doing stuff like this, we love this as a church. And if you get excited about that, how could you do that? How could you use some of your time and your talents to serve people in our local community? That's just one example of how we can do that. But I want you to discover what talent you have that you're better than other people, and how could you use that for the kingdom of God? What about your treasures? What about your treasures? How could you use your house, your cool front porch, your big living room, your cabin? How could you use your vehicle? Or how could you use your money? You're like, well, I don't have very much of it. Well, you have something. How are you using it? How are you investing it? I, I loved reading uh, this week about David Green. He's the CEO of Hobby Lobby. And, and he has this great mindset with his money. He's a billionaire, and he gives away over a half a billion dollars a year. Can you imagine that? And they were asking him about how he decides on his philanthropic you know, organizations that he supports. And he said, there are so many good organizations out there. He's like, but I only donate to great organizations. And they asked him, well, what is great to you? And he said, well, things that impact eternity. I want to invest in things that have a, a, an impact even beyond this life. He thought that, how can I make my money work? Jesus has entrusted with me so much money. How can I use it? I don't know if we have any billionaires in here. If we do, let's talk. <laughs> but I know that we all have been entrusted with some kind of treasures. How are you using those treasures for the kingdom of God? Jesus has entrusted those to you. He's given them to you. One way you might want to start doing that is by giving. Um, studies show that only, that, I'm sorry, 21% of Christians that are committed, regular members of a church give $0 to their church, 21%. So we encourage people to take a step of giving to their church because you're part of the kingdom of God. You're giving to the work of the gospel. And when you do that, we encourage people to take the first step by giving $25 a week or $100 a month. We call that our generosity team as you're starting to become a regular giver so you're not in that 21% who gives nothing. Okay, but then maybe you've taken that step and you need to start moving to be a tither where you're setting a percentage of your income and you're saying, I'm giving this away. Because God gave you everything first, how could you not give him back a little bit? To the point where you're giving 10%, a true tithe to the kingdom of God and the church. And then when you're doing that, maybe you need to be even generous beyond that. And I'm saying that, I know we have some new people here, people that don't go to our church or whatever, you're listening, whatever. Okay, we have something here called the Benevolence Fund. It's actually running pretty low right now. We've given away over $16,000 this year because every dollar that comes in the Benevolence Fund goes out to somebody in need in our local community. Um, and, and it's running real low because last year and this year we've had a lot of people in need. So maybe you want to give a special gift to that this season, to our Benevolence Fund. Or maybe it's another big gift that you want to give. Um, something we have coming up is our Christmas meal pack our Christmas meal pack. So we are doing something really special on December 12th. We are not going to have a normal worship service here. We are going to have a serving service, okay? So we're gonna have three service times in order to be able to fit everybody in here. We're gonna set up tables in here and we're gonna stand around these tables and we are going to pack some meals. You're gonna be hearing more and more about this. We're gonna pack these meals. Um, it's with an organization called Lifeline Ministries out of Parker. And this is a bag that has six meals in it, six meals. And these meals cost a quarter each to go from here all the way to Haiti, which we are sending meals to a region that's been impacted by earthquakes, political turmoil. It, it, things have been really bad this year in Haiti, and we are going to send them meals. So when you come in here, if you give one hour of your time, you can, uh, most people can on average pack 150 of these meals, 150 meals. Um, so you, you'll do that. 
and then we'll send them. So we're hoping that we can pack 45,000 meals as a church on December 12th, send all of them to Haiti. But it's also gonna cost us some money. Each meal costs one quarter, one quarter. So if you're gonna come that day and pack 150 meals, that's about $37.50. So we're gonna need to raise $12,000 in order to send all these meals. That's our goal this Christmas season. Um, we're really working on this, um, and we know that if everyone who's coming every week comes, we won't have enough people to get 45,000 meals, meaning you guys are also going to need to invite your friends. I really mean this. This is cool because you can say, hey, come to church with me, and they're like, I'm not into that. I'm like, oh, you don't have to be. We're going to pack a meal together. Oh, I could do that. I'm going to invite all my non-Christian neighbors. They'll come with their kids. We're going to do one song. We're going to have a five-minute talk, and then we're going to, for an hour, just pack meals. Anyone can come to this thing. So invite your friends. And what we're going to do um, is we're going to have a big Christmas tree in here. So every person you invite, you're going to get to put a candy cane on this tree. And I want this tree to be covered with candy canes as we have invited our friends, our neighbors, our enemies to come here and pack meals together. And we're calling it Be the Miracle because we're going to put in our time, we're going to make these miracles and let Jesus do the miracle, right? He's going to take it and bless those people in Haiti. So I hope that you guys will be encouraged and excited about that. So this is a way to give your time and your treasures for the kingdom of God. And we're going to entrust those to Jesus so that on the day of Christ, we can say, hey, look what I did. Look what I did. Here's another thing that I did for you. And I think that King Jesus is going to be very pleased with that. And you might be thinking, well, you know, that's not very much, right? It's not very much. No, but it's a good start. And I know this, that when my daughter McKinley had colored this, this, this blob that kind of looked like a bird. And we're like, is that a bird? She's like, sure, sure, it's a bird. Do you know what we did with it? We put it up on the fridge. Because she had brought us something with her time and her talents, right? And I think that's what King Jesus is gonna do. He wants to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Have you used your time, talents, and treasures that I've invested in you? Have you made them grow? Have you impacted people? And have you made a bigger investment? Jesus invests in you, and you invest with what he's given you. You guys see that? And at the end, we want to give a good return to King Jesus. So um, <clears throat> one way to think about this, because our, our lives need to have an impact, is, is when we look at Jesus, because Jesus himself knew how to use his time, talents, and treasures well, right? He was only on this planet as a human being for 33 years. And look at the impact he had. He really only was doing service and ministry for three years. Think about how he used his talents. I mean, his teaching, we're still studying his teaching today, Right? So are two billion Christians on this planet studying his teaching that was so good because he used his talents to teach and to serve and to love. And his treasures, well, he gave even his last drop of blood as he breathed his last on the cross. See, Jesus gave everything knowing that that investment would produce a huge harvest of righteousness in us. Jesus is our example of investment. So we too must follow his example. And I think when we do, we're going to start to look a little bit like George Bailey. Um, who in here has, has seen It's a Wonderful Life? Okay, best Christmas movie ever. Okay, If you haven't seen it, watch it this Christmas. If you have, watch it again. Right? It's an incredible story. Um, and uh, it, it, I'm sorry if I'm going to spoil this, but it was like from the 40s, so deal with it, right? Okay. But it's about George Bailey, right? It, just a normal, everyday businessman. And, you know, throughout his life, everything kind of gets thwarted. Everything he wants to do, like he, he can't really do, something else happens. And so he's uh, at this point in his life where he just feels miserable, that he's done nothing, and he's going up on a bridge to end it all. 
He thinks, my life doesn't matter. I wish I hadn't ever even been born. But before he can jump into the water and end his life, somebody falls in the water, right? And it turns out it was an angel. And this angel shows George Bailey what his life would have been like if he hadn't been there. Because sometimes we can't see these things. And what he saw was this, their town, Bedford Falls, that had been really rampaged by this rich banker who, who was evil. And he took money from people and he drove people into poverty. And they were living in slums and they had no food and everybody was depressed. And he was able to see with his own eyes that he could have an impact just by the everyday things that he does with his life. By being good, by serving others, by loving. And that's how I think we all need to be with our lives. We need to be the George Baileys here in Northeast Denver. In our community, in our families. That, that we have impacted it because Jesus had invested so much time and talents and treasures within us. And we've used those to serve others, to love others, to build the kingdom of God, to bring a good return. And I believe that Jesus will then say to each one of us, well done, good servant. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to make our lives count. We want to make an impact. And I pray that you open up our eyes to know how we need to do that, to reevaluate how we use our time, our talents, and our treasures so that we can more effectively produce the kingdom of God. Lord God, I pray that every single one of us would be pushed to strive for that great reward on the last day, for the voice of the king saying, well done. Put that in our hearts and show us how we can do it. Now, with eyes still closed, I know there's some of you here, though, that have never put your trust in King Jesus. You've rejected him, and it's time to accept him as your king so that he won't reject you on the last day, but will accept you, bring you into his kingdom, and reward you handsomely. So if you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want you to confess that you're a sinner today and accept his gift of eternal life, and then you're in. So with everybody's eyes closed, we're going to say this prayer, and what we do this every week, that you guys pray this aloud, whether you're, uh, it's your first time or you've prayed a thousand times. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Forgive me. Save me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. I accept your gift of eternal life. I receive your spirit. Help me to follow you and make my life count. Now with eyes still closed, if you said that prayer for the first time, if Jesus is your king, would you please slip your hand into the air so that I can see it? Everybody's eyes are closed. If you slip your hand in the air, if Jesus is your king today, if you're online, you can go to risedenver.com follow. Fill out that form. We would love to just encourage you as you follow Jesus. And Lord God, all of us come before you, the king, and we want to worship you and praise you with our lips right now. We want to give back to you because you have given us so much. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So now is the time of giving in our service. If you do want to give, go to risedenver.com slash give. You can do it on your phone right now. You can text to give. There's some boxes at the back on the way out that you can drop in some cash if you want to give your treasures today. And then once you've done that, please stand up and we're going to praise the king together.